Here we go. Here we go. It's working. Do you know what the problem was? It wasn't turned on. <laughs> That's my fault. It's awesome. Well, everyone, how are you going? My name is Shafin, and um, this is Ben. Isn't he doing an awesome job on keys? Didn't the worship team do such a phenomenal job tonight? Absolutely awesome. Give them a round of applause. So good. It is so good to have you here with us tonight, and especially, again, those that are here for the first time and those that are watching and listening online. Let's all turn around and give those guys a big wave as well. Big cheer. Welcome online. So good to see you. Awesome. Very, very cool. And I especially want to welcome Candace Newcomb. Candace Newcomb over there. Give us a wave, Candace. Friend from Albany. So good. She's moved to Perth, up here studying nursing. Really, really cool. Well, tonight's message, the title of tonight's message is this, Extending the Tables. Everyone say, Extending the Tables. Has anyone got an extendable table at home? Put up your hand. Have you got an extendable table, Ben? No, no. Yes, you do. Outside you do. Excellent. Well, we grew up with an extendable table. Um, and I remember when I, would, I was at home, usually we'd have six places at our table. And, um, but I got really excited when mum wanted us to extend the tables because we knew that guests are coming over for dinner that night. And so we'd get the extra big tablecloth out and, and put it on the table there. And, um, and I really feel like this gives us a good picture of what God, how God wants us to live our lives. The truth is that God wants our personal lives and our lives as a church to be one of an extendable table. God wants us to create more room for more people to come and encounter and experience His love. And the truth is, at the end of 2018, there were 10 of us gathered together at Everlife, which was our living room. And, um, and then over the coming months, we grew to 40 people where we launched the church about a year ago on Easter Sunday. And since then, there's been a phenomenal amount of growth where now as a church, we are at well over, at over 100 people at the moment. And God's been moving. Yeah, come on, give God a hand. It's so good. You know, the, like if we look around the room right now because of the restrictions, we're full. I don't know how many people in the overflow, but... There might be people out there. Hello, people in the overflow, if you're out there. So good. But um, what we need to do is extend the table and create more room for more people to be able to encounter the love of God. And so tonight we're going to be talking about hospitality and the heart of God around extending the table in our personal lives and also in our life as a church collectively together. And uh, so I'm going to pray and ask God to come and speak to us tonight. Lord God, I thank you for every single person here who's with us right now in this moment, God. I thank you for those that are watching and listening online. I thank you, God, that you want us to live a life, Lord, that where the table can be extended and more people can encounter your love. God, tonight we open up our hearts. We pray that you would speak to us, Lord, tonight. I pray in Jesus' name that the power of your Spirit will come and change us on the inside out in this moment. And we all said, Amen. 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 So the Bible's got a lot to say about hospitality, about extending the table. In the Bible, hospitality literally means loving strangers. Um, it's uh, To get all Greek on you, the Greek word for hospitality is philonexia. So, I mean, we've, got, we've got a Greek scholar over here. He's like just cacking his philonexia. Um, it's a combination of two words, friend and stranger. Um, word helps word studies defines it as a warmth or a friendliness shown to strangers, the readiness to share hospitality or generosity by entertaining in one's home. 
Um, and then it's no surprise that the dictionary simply defines hospitality as the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. Um, and so a quick, few quick verses about hospitality. One is from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9 to 10, where it says, Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use our spiritual gifts to be hospitable, to serve one another, to put the effort in. You know, the the behind-the-scenes efforts of going to the shops and getting the groceries in the list and preparing the table and getting the atmosphere right. There's There's a bit of work that goes into being a hospitable person. You know, to be hospitable is actually a necessary trait to qualify for you as a leader in the church. Apparently, when we read 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Now the overseer is to be hospitable and able to teach. Who knew? Titus chapter 1, verse 8 says, A church leader must be hospitable. You've got to be able to cook. I can't cook, but I can do all right. And so, hey, thank you. Thanks for the vote of confidence. And so I've just got um, four probably key points that I'd love us to draw out of the Bible and what I believe God wants to say to us as a church, what God wants to say to us as individuals about how we can live a life whereby we are extending the table and giving more and more people the opportunity to encounter the reality of God's love in our lives. And so the first point is this, extending the table for another is to extend the table for Jesus. When we extend the table for another person, in reality what we're doing is actually extending the table for Jesus. There's a scripture, a very both confronting and inspiring scripture from Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus is talking from the perspective at the end of time when we're all brought before Jesus. And these are the words that Jesus will say to those who've practiced hospitality. Jesus said this, he says, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality? When were you naked and we gave you clothing? When do we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? Like, Jesus, you've been in heaven the whole time. You know, we've, we've been doing this to other people. But then Jesus replies, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. When we extend the table for another person, really we're extending the table for Jesus. You see, Jesus takes it personally. He takes it personally how... We treat other people. How are we are generous and hospitable to another person? We see a human's face, but really behind the face of a human, no matter where they're from, no matter what they're doing, whether they deserve it or not, when we serve someone else of lowly, of lowly status or a high status, in essence, ultimately we're serving Jesus. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels, without realizing it. Who thinks I've entertained an angel before? I entertain my wife every day. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> got it. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm going to replay that for Jess later on. 
sorry, Chewy. Just kept annoying me. <laughs> you know, how, how would we treat an angel? How would we treat Jesus if he was in front of us? What, what amount of generosity would we give an angel or Jesus? I mean, we're familiar with each other, but wow, this really, Jesus really takes it personally how we treat other people. I remember um, when I was living in Albany, you know, a town of 30,000 people. And um, in Albany, you can bump into people all the time that you recognize that you know. And Albany also is a little bit of an oversized retirement village where there's a lot of slow drivers down there and, oh, it's a lovely view. It is such a beautiful view. And sometimes when you're in a race or in a rush to get places, you're like, come on, just please hurry up. And you're like right there on your horn. You know, a couple of times I admit, I confess, I've, I've let the old beep happen. Kind of kindly move on, please. But there's been some times where I've been about to beat that horn and then the person in the driver's seat in front of me, they just cast their, they just slightly turn their head just enough so I get a glimpse of their face and I'm like, oh, I recognise that person. And I'm so glad that I just resisted the temptation to beep at them. I'm like, oh man, thank God for that. And I think that's the relief we're going to come experience in heaven. Either we're going to have the regret that we, how we treated people on earth is really how we treated Jesus, or there's going to be relief. Man, thank God I gave that person the value. Although other people had a lesser value of them, I wanted to give them the value, the intrinsic, eternal value that every single person has um, around us. Point one, extending the table for another is to extend the table for Jesus. Point two is extending the table means we extend past our lines of comfort. Extending the table means we extend past our lines of comfort. Some lines are really good and helpful to have. Like right now I'm the coach of my youngest daughter, Leanna's soccer team, and it's a lot of fun. These little primary school, uh, year one girls bring them down to the park to practice soccer, but there's no lines down there. And, you know, it's not a game of soccer. It's like, it's, I don't know what it is, but it's something. But when you take them down to Loftus Recreation Centre, there's beautiful, neat, painted white lines on the surface, and it looks like much more of kind of a soccer game. You know, some boundaries and lines in life are really good for us to have, but some lines are meant to be crossed. You know, at the moment in the world, there's a lot of dividing lines, politically dividing lines, economic, racial, geographical some of us are stuck in our own lines. You know the lines of life that we live in? The line on the mat, the Google mat we, we, we take to work every day or to study every day, that line. We never deviate from that line or the line of our friendship group. Or we can actually live quite confined lives sometimes. Um, and what Jesus calls us to do is actually cross over the line, cross the line into the realm where we don't feel comfortable maybe sometimes. Extending the table means we extend ourselves past the lines of comfort. Um, in essence, hospitality calls us to step out of our comfort zone because it's saying, inviting us to befriend strangers. When you meet people you don't know, people from who knows what kind of cultural background or what their um, points of view on things are, then you're going to come around people that don't agree with you or that look differently or like different Netflix series than you or different food or maybe they go for the Dockers Never. <laughs> Cam, Cam, where's Cam? He's a Dockers fan. Um, God calls us to cross the lines. Um, even, for example, yesterday morning I was at my brother's house 
for a barbecue breakfast. And, um, and so I was looking forward to it, for our kids hanging out together, the cousins hanging out with each other, and I was looking forward to spending some time with my brother and his wife. But then an intruder came in. He was the next-door neighbour. I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. I thought there was, would just be brother time. And to be really, really honest with you, a part of me was like, what's she doing here anyway? And I felt a little bit uncomfortable. And, um, and I realised what I needed to do, didn't articulate this in my mind, but what I had to do was stop getting over my selfishness and my own comfort of, but I liked the things the way that they were. Um, and I had to step over the line. And once I got over my selfishness, shifted my heart and was hispo- his hosp- hosp- hospitable. So, yeah, getting all my words wrong. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> um, then it was all good. A shift of my heart. I had to cross the line out of the uncomfort zone into, out of the comfort zone into a zone where I wasn't as comfortable. And for us, God calls us to cross the lines, to hang out with people maybe that we don't know as well, that aren't as familiar with us. And for us, as, as the church grows, as more and more people come, then we're going to get a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, there's nothing wrong with clicky groups, right? There's nothing wrong with getting along with certain groups of friends better than others, and it's a very natural, it's a fantastic thing, as long as within those groups we have an extendable table, as long as we can create and make room for one more person to come and sit with us. Um, Jesus, i tell you what, Jesus crossed the lines. Jesus crossed the lines. He hung out with some really different people. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, it says, it says this, Later, Matthew, who was a notorious, basically a thief, he was a tax collector, he collected tax for the government, but then he took a whole cut for himself and he made a lot of money. So later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Can you imagine that crowd of that dinner party, you know? the prostitutes, the thieves, the local gang members, John Kizon and his group and whoever I might be, hanging out, the Eagles players. I mean, 2006. (laughs) Fair point. (laughs) But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? I think that Jesus wore this as a badge of honour. You know, Jesus said, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. In other words, Jesus is like, my table extends to everyone. And the Pharisees were like, nah, this is a religious line. We're staying in our comfort zones. We're in control here. We push those people aside. We're on the in group. But actually Jesus, he stepped way over those lines and he hung out with the so-called notorious sinners. For me, I would love us to be a church where we had a reputation that we would welcome notorious sinners. Did did Jesus agree with their behaviour? He didn't celebrate their behaviour, but he celebrated their worth. He was after them. He loved them. He laid his life down for them. And extending the table is worth us crossing the lines of discomfort. We want the broken. We want the rejected We want those that think they're too bad. We want the misfits, the weirdos. We want the rich. We want the poor. We want those who have been in prison. We want those that have never had a speeding fine in their life and everything in between. We want the black. We want the white. We want everyone from every nation 
to feel welcome and that they can belong here because Jesus is here in our midst. Amen. Come on. That's it. That's who we want to be. Point two. Point two was extending the table means we extend past our lines of comfort. Arm yourself with an attitude ready to step out of your comfort zones and hang out with people that you're not used to hanging out with. Number three, we can all play a part in extending the table. Every single one of us. You know, I remember when mum would get us to set the table for the guests to come over. One of us would have to shake the cloth outside and put it up and one of us had to get the plates out and the other one would get the condiments. I'm a fan of condiments. Um, out. Someone else had to get the drink and we all played our part in setting the table. And the truth is we can all play our part. We're not meant to be the answer in and of ourselves, but we can all play a part. We can all play our part in extending the table. You know, if we consider our own lives, I would love us to, it's either by default or by design. See, these tables, you've got to actually design them to be extendable. They're not accidentally extendable. Some tables are designed rigid. Other tables are designed to extend. Literally, it's almost like hospitality was built inbuilt into these extendable tables. And I wonder whether we could, by design, choose to build in into our own lives an extendable table, that we would choose to be individually in our own lives. I want to be a generous, hospitable person making room, crossing those lines of discomfort, making room for other people to encounter the reality of God's love. And so just consider that for a moment. Have you been rigid or an extendable table? Rigid or an extendable? The good thing is you can be refurbed into an extendable table tonight. And what I love about us each playing our part is that when it comes to this church, I love it that we, it hasn't been by default, but it's been by design that we've inbuilt hospitality into this church. I don't mean that we're perfect, that we always get it right, um, but we don't want to leave it um, to default. We don't want to leave it to chance, but we have intentionally designed our dinner parties and our host and hospitality team to express the love and value to every single person as they come through the doors. And they do a phenomenal job of making people feel welcome. You know, that's why we have people standing out there in the streets with car park signs. It's our heart to be hospitable. Hey, come on here if you're looking for the church. This is the way in. We have people standing in the middle of the road just just forcing traffic into the car park. (laughs) That's a good tactic. We can all play a part. That's why we serve coffee usually when we're not in COVID. That's why we don't ask people to pay for coffee. Um, that's why we put the little Everlife stamps on the, on the cups. We want to communicate excellence. We want to communicate that every single person is worth us considering and, and serving and extending generosity. It's why we have the after party. It used to be called the grazing table. And, you know, Courtney and Luciana are doing a phenomenal job at leading the team. Uh, come on, let's give them a big hand. So good. And everyone, it, it is no... Do you know what? Sometimes we think that hospitality is just for the, for the, for the uni students, Right? Or for people in their gap year, oh, I'm, just, I'm just doing hospital for a few years. It's like, no, no, no. Hospitality is a deeply spiritual thing. It is, it a, is it a simple thing? It is a powerful thing. And people's lives can be changed as we serve them like we would serve Jesus in person. And we can all play our part. Did you know that simply by rocking up to a dinner party, 
simply, we're talking about church now, simply by rocking out to church, you can be hospitable and play your part in extending the table. When you're just friendly, when you're generous with yourself, you shift the atmosphere. You can change someone's experience of a warm greeting or a warm experience. Whether it's your first time here tonight or you've been here for the whole time, you can be hospitable right now and right here. People would encounter God through your hospitality. Just by rocking up to dinner parties, you're like, oh, I shouldn't go, I can't bring anything. Bring yourself, that's awesome. When you bring food, that is hospitable. Maybe some, some of you are opening up your homes and pre-preparing your house, making a great atmosphere, doing the music and getting things just right to be hospitable for people, extending the table, which is so, so good. Number four is this. Extend the table and God will fill it. As we put the effort in to extend the table, the promise is that God will fill it. And there's an account from two kings, chapter 4, where there was this widow. She was destitute. She was desperately in need. You know, she was in debt and she had two sons that she needed to provide for and she had no money. But then the prophet Elisha came He came to this widow and he gave her a solution. And we're going to read from it, from 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 3. And it says this, And Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbours. And then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting one aside, each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept on bringing the jars to her and she filled up one after another, just with this one oil flask. This was an amazing miracle. She said, go to all your neighbours, get as many clay jars as you can possibly bring and we'll continue to fill up these jars with oil so we can sell these expensive jars of oil so we can pay off the debts. It's a miracle. But soon, every container was filled to the brim. She said, bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. And then they responded and said, there aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. The olive oil stopped flowing. You know what? We want to continue to extend the tables. We want to continue to bring in the empty jars. Every single empty jar, she'll bring in another jar. They'll bring another jar. And as long as there were empty jars, the oil kept on flowing. It kept on filling up. It was hard work to carry those hard, those big heavy jars. It wasn't easy. But as long as they kept doing the hard work of bringing the jars in, the oil kept flowing. And I, I've really sensed this, that God spoke this to Jess and I as we started the church, that for every, every gap, every seat that is prepared, that God will fill it. Every time we extend the table, we give more and more room for more people to encounter the love of God. But the moment that we stop putting the work into extending the table is the moment that the oil stops flowing. And you know, we never want the oil to stop flowing. You know, it takes time to extend the table. It takes effort. It takes planning. It's going to cost us. It will cost us. It costs you money when you go and buy ingredients. It costs us something to be hospitable, but we don't want the oil to stop flowing. Um, I just felt to share this little account that I had, this moment that I had the other day at IGA. And um, 
I didn't want to share it because, I don't know, I kind of feel uncomfortable about things that you do that you don't necessarily want to, you don't want to be seen to be boasting about it, but I felt to share it. And I was at RGA and, um, and while I was there, I saw this guy, Andrew. He's a homeless guy there, Andrew. And I went in and I bought some ice creams, magnum white ice creams with the beautiful choc chip bits on the outside. Oh, man, they're so good. Anyway, I went in there with the packet, had four of them. I walked out. I was like, hey, want, want one of these? He's like, yeah, yeah, bro, yeah, awesome. It's like crossing the lines. I was heading to my car and I was like, oh, I might offer him an ice cream. You know, went over here. And, and, um, and then I went back to my car. It was all good. Sat down in my car. And as I sat there... I knew that there was a really warm, beautiful jacket in the back of my car. I've got one jacket, and this is my expensive Melbourne Nina Pasadena jumper jacket at the back there, right? This one, one thing that just keeps me warm. And I, I, just, I just had such a conviction and a sense of going, this guy is cold, and I've got a jacket in my car. I'm going to go home to my warm house, and I have an opportunity right now to, to, to be hospitable to extend the table, to bring him warmth and the love of Jesus. And the thing is, I knew that it would cost me. I knew that it would cost me because the truth is that it does keep me warm. It's my one jacket. I don't have a jacket. And let me tell you, last night I was cold when I went to prepare for this message. It was 12 degrees. I had the heater on in in another location and I was cold. But I remember making the decision in the car then. I knew that I would be. But I remember thinking to myself that if he's suffering then I want to suffer with him. You know, passion, the word passion literally means to suffer with. Jesus suffered for us. He's so full of passion for you and I that he suffered on that cross for us. When we are passionate about something, it means that we suffer. There's a level of cost. We're passionate. When you're passionate about footy, it's going to cost you that membership fee or buying the AFL app. When you're passionate, it'll cost you something. There's a level of cost and suffering with it. And so when I was, last night when I was cold in preparing this message, because I've already already made that decision, I, I felt like I was journeying with him in his coldness. You know, he, he lives in the streets. And so anyway, so I gave him this jacket and he tried it on. He was like, oh, oh yeah, that's awesome. He zipped it up. I was like, hey, it's a good jacket. It's like a cool Melbourne jacket. He's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, you're cool. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And I went away. You know, being hospitable will cost us. It costs the team here practicing during the week. It costs them getting here early. It costs them something. It costs commitment. It costs focus. It costs energy. It might cost us finance. It's going to cost us something, but it's so worth us extending the table so more and more people can encounter the love of God. Let's not be afraid to pay the costs. You know, we say that we're passionate about reaching people. And I just want to thank you so much as a church, the sacrifices that you've made up until this point, that other people would encounter the love of God. There are people that are suffering right now. We might not see it in their faces as we walk in, but as we create a hospitable environment, both here at church and in our own individual lives, people will encounter the love of God in their lives. I'd love us just to all stand together. I believe that God is leading us to a point where we'll make a decision in our heart. God, I want to love people. I want to love people. I want to be available. I want to be an extendable table. I want to make room for people in my lives. I want to cross the lines out of my comfort zones into the uncomfort zones. I want to be someone, God. I'm sorry for making my life about my comfort. 
But God, I want to be willing to pay the price to extend the table for more people to come and encounter your love. Thank you, Lord. I thank you that you're here with us right now, Jesus. Maybe we just want to close your eyes right now. Maybe right now you want to make the most of this moment and make a decision in your heart. God, I've got to realign my life again. Maybe for the first time, I realign my life along with your passion for people, Lord. For the broken, Lord God, for those who have got it together, Lord, for every single person, I want to make myself available to extend the table, to extend your love, God. Lord Jesus, so we come to you here right now, Lord God, and for us as a church, for us as individuals, Lord God, Lord God, we put our hands up, Lord God, to you. We say, yes, God, I choose not to be a rigid table, Lord, but to be an extendable table, to be available for you to use, Lord. Lord God, I pray that you'd show us where you're calling us to cross the lines, Lord. Would you give us courage, Lord, to love the unlovable, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that our church will be one that welcomes anyone, that they can have a place to belong here, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We just say yes to you afresh, Lord Jesus, that not one single person would miss out on the opportunity to encounter your love. Lord, I pray for every single person here, Lord God, no matter what they're going through, the hard times they're going through, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your promise, Lord, that your grace is sufficient and that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, what we're going to do right now is we're going to have a moment where in this moment we're going to extend the table just a little bit further. What we love to do at the end of every single service is to give people the opportunity to encounter Jesus for the first time, to begin a relationship with God. I don't know whether you've been to church before or whether this is the first time that you've heard anyone talk about God. May you stepped out of your comfort zone, you've crossed the line, you're like, I'm in church. (laughs) You're in church. But you know what? This isn't about a building. This is all about God and His love for you. You've been created for a purpose. You've been created for a great destiny, but ultimately the ultimate purpose is that you'd know God, that you'd know Him both in this life into all of eternity. And God's invitation for you is, would you come? He's extending the table for you. He's saying, would you come and would you take a seat? Would you come and eat the meal that I prepared you? It is good food. None of that fast food. This is, this is great food at the table of God. The Bible's full of references about banquets and tables and eating and the generosity of God. And you know, the way that God made a space for you is through what God did on the cross through Jesus, where Jesus willingly sacrificed his life. He laid down his life. He paid the debt of sin that we owe to God. Jesus took on our guilt. He took on our shame upon himself on that cross. And he died to pay the debt that we could never pay God, that we could be free, that we could be washed clean. And on the third day, Jesus was not defeated by death, but he rose victorious. He resurrected from the dead to give us a hope beyond this life, to give us the gift of eternal life. And you know, the way that we can receive this gift of a seat next to Jesus is by simply putting our faith in him and what he has done for us. And so what we want to do for those that are watching or listening online, for those that are here with us, if, there's, if you're in this place and maybe for many years you've turned from God or you've drifted from God, or maybe you just found yourself kind of in church but your heart's not in with God, then tonight is your opportunity to draw the line in the sand and go, God, I surrender my life into your hands. 
Maybe tonight is your first time to church. Maybe tonight is your opportunity for the first time to begin a relationship with God. And what I want to do, if that's you, is to say a prayer with you. And this prayer basically brings us to a point where we say, God, I put my trust in you. I surrender my life into your hands. I turn from, I've done living my own way. Now I'm turning and I want to live for you from now on. So if we could have everyone close their eyes across this room. If that's you and you'd like me to include you in this prayer, you'd like to join me in this prayer to give your life to God, to begin either for the first time or a fresh relationship with God, would you please just be bold and courageous and put up your hand nice and high so I can see it, so I know who I'm including in this prayer. Thank you so much in the middle. That is so awesome. Thank you for your courage to say yes to God. Your life will never, never be the same again. Is anyone else here who would like me to pray with you to give your life to God, to say yes to Him, to open up your heart to Jesus and let Him in. Maybe you're watching and listening online right now. You can. Someone a few weeks ago I spoke to, they lifted their hand, no one saw, but God saw. They said yes to God and their life has been changed. just want to give just one or two more moments. We don't want to rush this opportunity. It's a powerful moment. If that's you tonight and your heart's beating and there's something in you, you might not understand it all, but you're saying, I want to have a seat at the table and begin a relationship with God. If that's you and you want me to include you in this prayer, would you lift your hands nice and high so I can see it? Thank you, Lord. Hey, that is awesome. But that one person, can we just give that one person a big round of applause? Courageous decision. It's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just repeat this prayer after me, especially you who put your hands up to God. Let's say this together. Dear God, I thank you that you love me and that you sent Jesus to die for me. I put my faith in Jesus. I thank you that you forgive me for my sin. You wash me clean so I could be made whole. I surrender my life into your hands from this moment for the rest of my life. Would you fill me with your love? Would you fill me with your peace? In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. Amen. Let's give God a big round of applause. Thank you, Lord. Let's finish together with a final song.